This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Um, yeah, so what I want to speak about, if you've uh, looked at Facebook um, this week, is what are you carrying? Now, um, when Philip kind of put me down, uh, without asking, put me down to, um, to speak, um, I thought, right, okay, and, and I said to God, I walk the dogs, so I love my time out with the dogs, and I'm thinking, right, what am I going to speak about, what, whatever, and, and this um, kind of skeleton came to me the the message and I just had to obviously put the the bones onto it and then a couple of weeks back we went to um 21st century to listen to Rich Martin who was down from Life Church and he spoke on something very similar so I thought well if Rich can do it I can do it but you know I've really struggled with it because when I'm going through it I'm thinking you know what this is for me not for you so you know I may as well just go home now because I've uh, uh, God has spoken to me so much through this but when you come to church and all the songs are based on what you're going to speak about uh, and the story you're going to speak about, you kind of think, well, okay, maybe God has got other plans and maybe somebody else needs to hear this as well. So um, I just pray that God uses what he's told me to speak to you, that I put it simply so that you understand what God is trying to tell you this morning. So I've called it, what are you carrying? So obviously it's coming up for the summer now, you go on holiday, whatever. How do you pack your bags? Are you you the type of person that counts it out? So if you're going away for seven days, you count out seven pair of pants, seven T-shirts, seven lots of socks, maybe two shoes, maybe a flip-flop. Are you that type of person? Yeah, I do that. I count up my seven pair of pants and my underwear and my clothes. Then I go and add another seven days' worth of clothes. And guaranteed, I always come back from holiday with as much clothes that I haven't worn, that can just go straight back into the wardrobe, than the stuff I've worn. Because I carry a lot of stuff. If you ever go in my bag, Mum, have you got a chewing gum? I'm like, yeah, somewhere. And I'm pulling all this stuff out because I got a lot of stuff and I carry a lot of stuff. So I would prefer to leave my shampoo at home to take that extra pair of shoes. Anybody with me? Yeah? Or I'd rather kind of, you know, leave stuff that I think, and do you know what? I don't need a towel because I can buy a towel for like five euros, but I've got an extra pair of jeans in. Yeah? That's the type of packer that I am because I've got too much stuff. Yeah? Anybody with me? Now, listen, before we go any further, let me just set the scene, okay? When I used to present in work and, and stuff like that, I needed a bit of interaction because what happens, and ask my kids about that, if they don't kind of answer back and say, yeah, or no, or yeah, I heard you, whatever, I just keep on and on and on and on and on, yeah? So you've got in danger, if you don't interact with me, you're in danger of me going on and on and on this morning, okay? So come on, talk back to me. I mean, I don't know about you, but... Do you ever get to the security gate then when you're on holiday? So you've packed your bag, however, where you've packed it, either chucked it in, folded it all up, rolled it up, whatever. You're at security, and guess what? You're at the weighing desk. I don't know about you, we've already got about eight layers of clothes on because you're like, oh, I need that, I need that, and we put that on. Then the case goes on the weighing scales, and you're standing there going, oh, holding your breath, watching the numbers go up on that little dial thing. If you do that, and it hits the 20, then it goes over, then it comes under, then it goes over, and you're like, and they allow it through. Yay! We have never, a miracle of all miracles, because we are always overweight when we go on holiday, especially when we come back, because we've bought loads of stuff. We are always overweight. So how on earth we manage to get through excess baggage, I will never know. God obviously is looking after us. So serving as an explosive ordnance disposal officer for seven years, Abram Lee says this of his job. 
The stakes of the job are life or death, and the demands on an assault team member are substantial. We would often hike very long distances in very hostile climate conditions, often under the threat of even more hostile enemy. It was of critical importance that every ounce of gear that we carried with us in some way contributed to our overall mission. If we weren't going to use it, it wasn't worth the effort to carry it. Yeah? And this is life or death stuff. So an army, a soldier in the army puts in his bag what he needs for his mission. No more, no less. In the same way, how often do we create other baggage in our life? Yeah, life is hard enough, isn't it? Let's be honest. Life is hard enough. We're hit with problems. We're hit with health issues. We're hit with family issues. So life is hard enough as it is. So why do we carry excess baggage with us in life? You know, negative attitudes, stresses, angst towards other people, bitterness, unforgiveness are all things that we put in our bags and they fill the bag up and just cause unnecessary weight on our backs. Our emotional cargo builds so quietly and steadily that often we don't realise how much weight we're actually carrying. Day after day, it slowly mounts up on our backs. You see, often when things happen to us, we end up carrying the effects of it. If we don't deal with what's happened to us in our past and we don't deal with issues... We choose to carry. Then what happens is the pain gets tucked away, the offences are not forgiven, fears go unconfronted and conflicts go unresolved. We learn tools like denial, unforgiveness, revenge, bitterness, holding grudges. You see, when we carry these, they grow inside us, then they grow out of us. It's like Japanese knotweed. Once it takes hold... It grows rapidly, it grows strongly, and before you know it, it's killed every healthy plant around it. Often we allow things spoken to us, or things done to us, to define us, and define others and the way we live. There's an old legend about three men and their sacks. Each man had two sacks, one tied in front of his neck and the other tied on the back. When the first man was asked about the sacks, he said, in the sack on my back are all the good things I have done, all the f- things that my family and friends have done. That way they're hidden out of view. In the front sack are all the bad things that have happened to me. And every now and again, I like to stop and take them out and have a look at them. But because he stopped so much to concentrate on the bad stuff in his bag on his front, he didn't make much progress in life. The second man was asked about his sacks. He said, in the front sacks are all the good things I've done. I like to see them. And quite often I like to take them out and show them off to people. I keep all my mistakes in the bag on the back. Sure, they're heavy. They do slow me down. But for some reason, I just can't put it down. Then the third man was asked about his sack. He answered, the sack in front is great. There I keep all the positive thoughts I have about people, all the blessings that I've experienced and all the great things that other people have done for me. The weight isn't a problem. In fact, it acts like a sail. It keeps me going forward. The sack on my back, there's nothing in that. I cut a big hole in the bottom, you see. In there, I put all the bad things that I have done, all the horrible things that other people have done to me or said to me. But they go in one end, 
and they go out the other. I'm not carrying any weight at all. So this morning, I want to look at some people um, who have allowed what I believe they're carrying to affect the promise of God over them. And I don't know about you, but, you know, 2017 has been a rough year for us personally. It's been a fairly rough year for the church too. And I want to go forward. I don't want to miss anything that God has for me. So if it means me having to get my little weighing scales out and check my bag to see if it weighs too much and I've got to take something out, then you know the atmosphere is changing here and I want to do it right now. And I want a miracle from God. So to give you a bit of background, Moses had just led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. They'd gone through the miracle of the Red Sea and they'd been travelling through the desert and they were journeying to the promised land. They'd now arrived at the border of the promised land where God had promised them. The land was called Canaan. Now as God directed, Moses sent 12 men into the promised land to check it out. You know, you know those type of people? You know, my, my daughter used to, one of my daughters was sport, very good at sport, but she always used to stand by the sideline and check it out first before committing. Can I win? Can I not win? If I can win, I'll play. If I can't win, I won't play. And that's basically what Moses did here. God had instructed him, send some men in, go and have a look. So they were checking it out. So the story can be found in Numbers 13. It's going to come up on screen, but it's a completely different version to, uh, to what I'm going to read. But don't worry about that. But we're going to pick it up from verse 25. So it's Numbers 13, 25. Forty days later, they came back from exploring the land. They gave their report and showed them the fruit of the land. This is what they reported to Moses. We went to the land where you sent us. It really is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's some of its fruit. But the people who live there are strong. And the cities have walls and they are huge. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites in Nejav. Listen, I'm going to skip all these words because I can't pronounce them, okay? But they live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan River. Caleb told the people to be quiet. He said, let's go now. Take possession of the land. We should be more than able to conquer it. But the men who had gone with them said, We can't attack those people. They're too strong for us. So they began spreading lies among the Israelites about the land they'd explored. They said, the land we explored is one that devours those who live there. All the people we saw there were very tall. We felt as small as grasshoppers. And that's how we must have looked to them. You see, what you carry will affect, first of all, your perspective. How can 12 men being sent into the same land, seeing the same things, being in the same environment, come back with two very different reports? I think, and this is just me, it's because of what they were carrying, the individuals were carrying, it affected their perspective. A shoe manufacturer who decided to open the Congo market sent two salesmen to the undeveloped territory. One salesman cabled back, prospects here are nil, no one wears shoes. The other salesman reported back, market potential terrific, everyone is barefoot. It's about perspective. You see, when we tell people, sorry, you can tell people how they deal with stuff, you can tell how people deal with stuff by how they deal with their current circumstances. Let me say that again, because I've confused myself there. 
You can tell how people have dealt with stuff, the way they deal with their current circumstances. You see, have you ever heard, hurting people hurt people? What goes around comes around. You see, if you don't deal with issues in your life, they get deep-rooted, and when circumstances then come your way, because they will, your default is to what you know. It will be revenge. It will be holding grudges. They hurt me, so guess what? I'm going to hurt them. Unforgiveness settles. You see, the ten spies gives us clues to what they were carrying. Um, It suggests that maybe they didn't deal with their issues in the past, and here now it was coming out in their world. We can't attack those people. They're too strong for us. Doubt had set in. And doubt caused them to question the resource to take the land as well as God's ability to help them. We felt as small as grasshoppers. And that's how we must look to them too. Self-depreciation. They saw themselves as tiny in comparison. Nothing that they could do against these massive giants. Joshua indicates in Numbers 14, verse 9, that they were full of fear. Fear naturally follows doubt. And fear paralyzes you and keeps you from acting. And the writer of Hebrews 3, verse 19 said, So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. You see, unbelief, negative traits can be summed up in that word, can't they? Unbelief. But in contrast, let's look at what Joshua and Caleb were carrying. We should be more than able to conquer them. Faith. They believed in themselves, in their fellow Israelites, and more importantly, they believed in their God. Joshua says, we have no reason to be afraid. They had courage. He was not afraid of the giants or the walled cities or the strength of the people. Why? Because he carried God. He carried God's promise. Concerning the Canaanites, Joshua said, the Lord is on our side and they won't stand a chance against us. They had confidence in the outcome because they knew they were doing the will of God. You see, when you haven't dealt with things in your life, you begin to carry things like hurt, bitterness, fear, doubt, ungratefulness. And then it changes how you see the world. Suddenly you see the situation bigger than you. Suddenly, you start questioning God's ability. Suddenly, an innocent comment becomes a personal comment. Suddenly, you justify your behavior because, well, they started it. Suddenly, it becomes about you. And that's what happened to the Israelites because 10 of them were coming from a place of negativity. Boy, did the world look different. And when the Israelites heard the reports, they were persuaded to follow the majority. So can you imagine, you're on the brink of the promised land, but they wanted to return to Egypt. Nuts. But what they were carrying in their hearts was influencing them to rebel, and instead of reaching for all God had for them, they wanted to go back to slavery and to misery. It's all about perspective. You see, when Goliath came against the Israelites, the soldiers all thought, he's big, we can never kill him. But David looked at the same giant and thought, he's big, I can't miss. It's all about perspective. And what you carry will affect your perspective. This is a by-the-way issue, okay? Nothing to do with the, the 
message as such. It's a by-the-way issue. Do you know there were only 12 men that went into the promised land to spy it out? Yet millions spent 40 years in the wilderness. You see, the millions listened to the reports of the 10, and their perspectives were affected too. You know, whenever we go on holiday, Maginzia has got my bag with all my stuff in it. But along the journey, it's like, oh, ma'am, can you carry this? Oh, ma'am, do me a favour, can you put this in your bag? Oh, I've just popped that book in your bag. Is that okay? So guess what? By the time I'm on the plane, I'm like this with my bag, and they're like skipping along with their bags because I'm carrying their stuff, carrying stuff I shouldn't be carrying. Be careful whose bag you pick up. Sometimes our friends or family can start offloading stuff innocently, but before you know it, it suddenly become your issue too. Have you ever about to meet somebody and you've heard something in the background? Oh, do you know that person's there? Do you know this person? Oh, do you know that person? And before you know it, you meet this person with a preconceived idea of what that person's going to be. How many of you have done that? And then when you've met them and got to know them, you think, do you know what? They're not a bit like that at all. Careful whose bag you pick up. Because what you're carrying will, pers- will affect your perspective. Secondly, what you're carrying will affect your pace. See, it should have taken 11 days from the border of the land of Canaan to get into the promised land. should have taken 11 days. But as we know, it took over 40 years. You see, when you carry stuff and you don't deal with things from your past or even deal with things that's happening now, it causes you to slow down. You can't move forward very easily. You see, in any sort of race, bobsleigh, motor racing, horse racing, cycling, even running... I know so much about these sports because I'm so sporty myself. So come and speak to me after. Um, But in all these sports, so I'm led to believe because I don't know anything, uh, weight is really important and just as important as power. You see, Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let's run with endurance the race God has set before us. You see, God can't bless mess. Yeah? God can't bless our mess. He cannot bless unforgiveness. He cannot bless us if we're judgmental. He cannot bless us if we're trying to get even. Luke 6.37 says, Don't judge others and God won't judge you. Don't be hard on others, and God won't be hard on you. Forgive others, and God will forgive you. And Romans 12 says, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everyone. Don't insist on getting even. That's not your job to do. That's easier said than done, right? The number of times over the years things have been done to me or to my family or whatever, guess what I want to do? Knock their block off, to be precise. You know, you see the car in the car park? Oh, let's just key the car. Yeah? That's our natural instinct, isn't it? We'll we'll sort this out. They're not doing that, so I'm not doing this. They've said this, so I'll say that. That's our natural instinct. But somebody once said to me, don't fight, move forward. You see, whilst we're expelling energy on our hurts, our disappointments, on our revenge, we can't move forward. In fact, we start slipping back. And if we're not reaching our promised land, 
If we're not having our breakthrough, if we're not living in God's fullness, maybe it's because we need to look to see what's in our bag and unpack some of that stuff. So what you're carrying will affect your pace. What you're carrying will affect your purpose. It is so, so sad that after enduring Egypt and the slavery and the miracle of the Red Sea, that some of these Israelites didn't even get to the promised land which God had promised them, not even Moses. You see, being brought into slavery in Egypt, being part of the miracle, heading to the land, flowing with milk and honey, they allowed it, they allowed it to slip away because of what they were carrying and how that Um, kind of worked out in their lives. The way to miss God's will is really simple. Ignore what God says to you. You see, God said to the Israelites in, in Exodus 5, I am God. I will bring you out of slavery. I will rescue you. I will redeem you, intervening with great acts of judgment. I'll take you as my own people. I'll be your God. I will bring you to the land that I have promised Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and give it to you as your own country. It had been promised to them. But why didn't they get there? Because what they were carrying spoilt it all. Absolutely spoilt it all. So you see, instead of listening to and believing in God and moving into what God had promised them, they listened to and believed in men and moved away from everything God had for them. You see, when we allow negative thoughts and feelings from past experience to push in, it pushes God out. That's why the proverb is very, very direct. Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. So what we would carry will affect our perspective, our pace, and our purpose. So very quickly, what do we need to do to unpack our bag and get rid of the excess baggage and enter into our promise and into our breakthrough. Is that my time up? Firstly, confront the past honestly. We can't change what has happened. If you've been hurt, if somebody has said something, if somebody's abused you even, if you've been part of a divorce and it's really hurt you, if you're a child of a divorced family and it's absolutely killed your spirit, you cannot change it. But what you can change is how you view it now. And how we still allow it to control our everyday motions and thoughts. Philippians 3.13 says, I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead. Be aware of your thoughts. You know, whenever you recognize that your mind is wandering, pull it back. Stop it. You remember, thoughts lead to emotions. Emotions generally lead to actions. So don't allow your energy to be wasted in negative thinking. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Thirdly, start anew. Take positive steps to remove all the old habits and routines and create a new existence. Second Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is new creation. The old has passed away the new has come. Forgive others. Not an easy one. But forgiving others will do you more good than it will do them. 
You see, Ephesians 4.32 says, Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with each other, sensitive, forgiving with one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Fifthly, go to God. Ask God to remove your hurts. Ask him to strengthen you and renew your thoughts. 1 Peter 5 says, give all your worries to God because he cares about you. Six, meet together. Don't avoid attending church. If you're hurting, you need to be in the Father's house. Taking a break is not in God's vocabulary. You see, if you're struggling, you need to be home. You know, when you're hurting, when you're ill, where's the best place to be? Cutched up on the sofa with your blanket at home. Isn't it? This is home. So if you're hurting and somebody's done something and it's it's completely justified, yeah? You're justified to feel hurt and angry and bitter. It's justified, but you need to be in God's house because in God's house, when you're home, he can speak to you, he can encourage you. And he can heal you. Psalm 92 says, planted in the house, you flourish. Nowhere else, planted in the house, they flourish. Seventh, choose your friends wisely. Surround your people, surround yourself with people that nourish you. Not those that are toxic and harmful. You see, if they'd listened to Caleb and, and Joshua, guess what? 11 days later, they'd have been at their promise. But instead, they chose to listen to the toxic, harmful people. You see, we can identify these people quite easily. So if you're like, oh, I don't know if they're good or bad for me. Well, here's the identifier. Listen to what they talk about. Listen to about who they talk about. Listen about how they say things, what they say, and then look at their actions. When something comes their way, look at their actions. And if it's not, you know, the excess baggage that we go through in the, the um, airport, this is our, like, godsend because we're always, always over our baggage. So we are double-checking all the time our bags and we're trying to weigh them out and pass them around and whatever. So this is invaluable when we go on holiday. But, you know, this is invaluable when you need to weigh what you're carrying in your life. So if people or things or stuff in your life don't weigh correctly against the excess baggage that the Bible tells us, then you need to give some distance. You know, Luke 6 says, a good man brings good things out of good stored up in their heart, but an evil man brings evil things out from what's stored in their heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And lastly, remember... When all this is happening, because, do you know, the devil comes to, what is it, steal, kill, destroy. And your brain is the one that he goes for. Because if you can think about something from back then that hurt you, if you can think about, oh, I'm not good enough because I've done this, I've done that, they've done the other, he is winning. So, lastly, remember what God says. And if you can't say amen to some of these, then... Well, there we are. So remember, he loves you. He accepts you. He cares about you. He has not forgotten about you. He sees you. He knows you. He provides for you. He will not abandon you. He will not abuse you. 
He will not forsake you. He will help you. He will transform you. He will choose to forget your past. He will heal your pain. He will hold your hand. He will restore you. He will give you hope. He will give you future and he will deal with your hurts. So let's strip off every weight that slows us down. And let's run with the endurance, the race God has set before us. Because God is waiting for you to come with to him with all you are so that he can give you all that he is. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.